welcome to On the Road with the American Society of Highway Engineers. I'm Amanda Schumacher. On the Road with ASHI is a podcast focused on bringing you interviews with transportation thought leaders from across the United States. Melissa is off today, but I've got you covered. Today, we are interviewing Rob Profit, ASHI National's Northeast Director and Membership Chair. Rob shares with us his background and his journey with ASHI and his perspective on partnership within the industry. So let's jump into our interview with Rob. And after the interview, don't forget to like, follow, and rate the interviews five stars, of course. Rob, thanks so much for joining me today. Hi, Amanda. How are you doing? Thanks for having me. So excited to have Rob Profit on with us. For those that don't know you, introduce yourself a little bit. Yeah, thank you. Again, my name is Rob Profit. I'm a vice president with traffic planning and design. I've been in the industry for approximately 27 years, uh, entirely in the highway engineering discipline. Graduate of Drexel University in 1995, and I have my master's degree from Villanova University. I'm also a licensed engineer in four different states, including Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Maryland, and North Carolina. Married and uh, have three kids who are all teenagers. Wow, that's quite a bit. I bet those kids keep you busy. A little bit. Yeah, we've been pretty deep into the college searches here. I have two seniors that are heading off to college here in near very near future. So we're wrapping that up. And then a freshman in high school as well. So they definitely keep me busy throughout the day. Any chance they're going to be going to your schools, your alma maters? <laughs> uh, no, my daughter is going to Westchester University, uh, which is just outside of Philadelphia. And my son is trying to narrow it down. He's down to his last two choices here. We're looking at Penn State University and the University of Maryland. Uh, he also wants to go for engineering. So following in uh, dad's footsteps there. So getting back to the day job, what have been some of your favorite projects that you've worked on to date? Sure. So most recently, I'm working on uh, two major projects here in Pennsylvania. Uh, one is along Route 61, located just north of Allentown. It's a four-mile total reconstruction project with nine different structures, some replacements, some rehabilitations, total reconstruction, roadway widening, as well as retaining walls and drainage features. Pretty complicated project with a construction value estimated around $80 million. And then the other one is the Pennsylvania Turnpike. It's a four-mile total reconstruction and widening project just south of Allentown. That project is widening the roadway from four lanes to six lanes and also involves three bridge replacements. Between those two projects, they're keeping me pretty busy. But you don't just manage jobs on the design project management perspective, right? Correct. One of the other hats that I wear in addition to managing projects on behalf of PennDOT and the Pennsylvania Turnpike is a consultant project management agreement in which my firm work as a subconsultant on this agreement. And our role is to work on behalf of PennDOT managing other consulting firms. In this particular case, the department was a little short staff. They brought in consultants to provide support in this regard. So from a day-to-day perspective, I'll be involved with you know managing the consultant, coordinating with the folks at PennDOT with respect to planning and programming, project approvals, project reviews. But it also involves working with the local community. We'll reach out to project stakeholders, emergency providers, the local municipalities to get their input on projects. And in general, it's a support role, but we, as the consultant project managers, really are responsible for driving the project and working with the consultants to deliver the projects on schedule and within budget. 
So do you feel that that gives you a more well-rounded perspective as to what to deliver to your clients? I do. It's, it's a great point. What it does is it allows us to see the behind the scenes of how the Department of Transportation is able to deliver projects. Some of the, the difficulties they have, whether it be going through the, the permit review process or coordination with outside agencies, as well as just trying to deal with the project funding, the planning and programming of how to manage the budgets for the projects over the course of many years. It's an extremely complicated effort that the departments have to handle, and we're just one piece in that. But it, what it allows me to do is understand from a different perspective what the department is up against in terms of trying to deliver projects and an understanding of how to help the department and help better serve them on the projects where I'm serving as the lead designer. Yeah, I just recently saw an article, a study from the U.S. Government Accountability Office or GAO. They basically surveyed all of the state departments of transportation nationwide in the United States and determined that at least 60% of their total engineering and design related costs for projects like highway projects uh, went to outside engineering consultants. So I know you said you were on that consultant level with PennDOT districts, but are you finding that being a trend either throughout Pennsylvania or even nationwide? I do. It's definitely something that we're seeing moving forward. I mean, many of the Department of Transportation's back in the 70s and 80s and even in the 90s had significant staffing. But over the years, the number of staff at the, the DOTs has been slowly decreasing while the number of consulting firms has increased over that time period. So we're seeing more and more projects, especially the, the larger, more complicated projects going out to consulting engineers. And I think the recent trend here is for this consultant project management agreements as well, where you're seeing consultants serving as the, the leads on projects on behalf of the department, because time to time, the departments don't have enough staff to manage all the projects that they're, they're responsible for. So by bringing in the consultant project managers, it gives them an opportunity to add to their workforce in terms of experienced project managers that can assist delivering projects. And that's even more important these days with the influx of federal money through the, the IIJA investment money that's coming out through the, the federal government. With this influx of money, there's more and more projects on the street. It just becomes more and more difficult for the DOTs to be able to manage all that without having the support of the consultant community. It's an interesting perspective with all of this infrastructure money coming in. We've talked about this on some of our previous episodes as well as how it relates to each individual state and how much they're going to get. But in in order to help the districts deliver the design, like you said, consultants are a very important factor in that. But in terms of the construction side of things, any anticipated concerns there to actually build everything that's going to be designed? Yeah, it's another good question. And with this influx of money, a lot of the, the program that has been developed for the, the different DOTs were set prior to this influx of federal money coming in. So with having to deliver many, many more projects with this additional cash flow, it has become difficult to deliver all these projects, whether it's having the adequate number of contractors or whether adequate number of construction inspection firms to be able to handle all this additional work that's coming out on the street. And one of the other things we've seen here in Pennsylvania, where the projects that need to be delivered for the 2022 federal fiscal year, there wasn't enough projects that were previously programmed to make all the deliverables that needed to be done in this calendar year. 
So what we're seeing often is some projects that were originally scheduled for 2023 are being accelerated up into 2022 to make sure we hit the federal goals that are being required for all these different projects. That's being done several different ways. From time to time, it's being handled through accelerating project schedules in terms of asking consultants to move a little quicker on reviews and design deliverables. But one other mechanism that's being utilized is design build, where projects that may have been originally scheduled to be constructed in 2023 or 2024, the let date can be moved up into this federal fiscal year. So the project will be advertised to meet the letting goals for the department and for the federal requirements. Yet the construction can then extend into 2023 and 2024 as originally planned, but yet it would still meet the letting goals for 2022. Yeah, that's definitely a trend, I think, like you said, in Pennsylvania, but even nationwide design build, the alternative delivery has been used more and more. But in terms of the design build piece in Pennsylvania, for a long time, it's been some design elements, but primarily construction is what they consider design builds. But do you think that there's going to be even more design involved in the process and in collaboration with the contractors going forward with this acceleration? I do think design build here in Pennsylvania has been done on and off over the years, but I think that it's going to continue to become a trend. I, I know in many states, especially further south, that design build is used regularly on both smaller and larger projects. Here in Pennsylvania, it's been primarily done on smaller projects, but I think that as there's continued success with design build, we'll continue to see that grow. And the use of other innovative technology and design deliverables, one of the trends here in Pennsylvania has also also been a public-private partnerships or, or P3, in which there's a combination of local money and some type of investment group combining with a contractor and a designer to deliver large projects. Here in Pennsylvania, there's currently a program that's being studied to look at nine different major bridges that will be replaced using this P3 methodology of funding and project delivery. You mentioned technology, and I know that PennDOT also is embarking on a digital delivery directive for the 3D environment. Um, transportation, I think, is, has been one of the, the later adopters, we'll just say, for, uh, for technology. But it seems like they're leading the way and trying to bring in a more integrated dashboard and collaborative environment. How are you seeing that fit into your day-to-day? Are you, a TPD, also adopting those technologies and kind of shifting the way that you design? We are. For years, we have used the Bentley inroad software to develop all of our project deliverables. Over the past few months, we've been starting to convert over to the Bentley Open Roads Designer, which is allowing a more integrated design in terms of development of, of 3D models. And as you mentioned, one of the goals here in Pennsylvania is to go with a digital delivery program. The current goal is to start all projects in 2025 and beyond using three-dimensional delivery as opposed to traditional 2D delivery of plan sets. So the Open Road Designer is one of the first steps to make that happen and that we can begin to develop all of our designs fully in 3D, whether it be on the roadway or related to bridges, so that at some point in time here in 2025 and beyond, we can start to deliver all of our projects uh, using an entirely 3D model that's ultimately given to the contractor, and they will be building off of that as opposed to your traditional 2D plan set. 
Right. Which will ultimately deliver better bids and more knowledge about the project, a better viewing environment. I feel like that would just give so much more information than they've had in the past in the construction field. And Borton Lawson also, my company is really excited about this trend and just being able to do it a different and, and better way, honestly. But I'd love to jump over to talk more about your journey with ASHI and how you got started. How did you find out about the organization and how did you get involved? Sure. So when I initially graduated from Drexel University, I started here at Traffic Planning and Design. I actually had done two co-ops prior to my graduation. I came aboard here at, at TPD. And one of the initial things I was asked to do was start to get involved with some of the local engineering societies. Being that I was uh, in the highway engineering background in the department, I was asked to join the uh, American Society of Highway Engineers, ASHI. And I started going right out of college when I was about 22 years old. I joined the Delaware Valley section, which is located within the Philadelphia region. I served on several committees early on doing some volunteer work before I was eventually asked to join the board of directors at the section level. At the section level, I served on various committees, chaired the golf committee. I also chaired the project of the year committee, as well as the membership committee. At that point in time, I was asked to serve as an executive committee role uh, where I moved up the ranks through second vice president, vice president, and ultimately served as the president of the Delaware Valley section for one year. Upon my completion of my presidency, stayed on board for one year as the immediate past president. And then at that point in time, I was asked to serve as the regional representative for the Delaware Valley section here in the Northeast region. Served in that role for approximately three years. And at that point in time, I was asked to serve on the executive board for the Northeast region. And similarly, I went through the second VP, VP position, and ultimately served as the president of the Northeast region for one year. At the conclusion of that time period, I put myself out to see if I could serve as the Northeast region national director. I was able to successfully get that and been serving on the national board as the Northeast region rep for the past two and a half years. What a journey. I mean, I love how you've kind of been at every different level, the student, the section, the regional and now national. Uh, Any advice for these students, younger members who are interested in making that same journey? I would say one of the key things that I was asked to do early on in my career was when you go to the different events, whether it be ASHI or other events, make sure that you go out and talk to different people. When I went to my first dinner meeting at the Delaware Valley section, I probably knew two to three people. After the first year, I would say I probably knew about a dozen people and then continued to grow that network. One of the things that I did was try to meet three new people at each event. That was my goal going in. I wanted to come away with three business cards and get to meet them and, and know a little bit about them, You know, ask them about their family, jot notes on the back of their business card. So I would be able to recall that and and talk to them in future events, start to build those personal relationships. And then I would say there's many times that we would go to different events and you see different tables where all the people from the same company were sitting at the same table. One of the things I try to do is sit with different people at each event. So what I would encourage any uh, younger engineers to do is to try to come out of your comfort zone, go and meet as many people as you can. Then before you know it, go from knowing two to three people to most of the people in the room after a couple of years. That's tremendous and really just speaks to one of the major goals of ASHI, the collaboration and networking and community that it completely helps in all of those respects and can help you grow professionally and personally. Like you said, stepping out of your comfort zone is a hard thing. 
Absolutely. And a lot of us in the engineering business are more introverted. So trying to go out and meet people is not always our thing, but I think it's important to realize once you start doing it, that a lot of people are, and we're very similar and we all enjoy the same thing. Many of us have a lot of similar hobbies and things with families. So you start to quickly realize there's a lot of good friends that you can meet through the organization. What's your experience been serving on the national level? been great. I've really enjoyed the opportunity to serve on the national board. I started just prior to COVID, so the timing wasn't um, exactly the best. I was able to get my feet wet the first couple months, just understanding how the national board operates. We're so used to our local areas, whether it be the section or the region, then you quickly gain a perspective of how the engineering works at the national level. So it was a great opportunity to meet people from all the different regions beyond the Northeast region and understand that the, the successes and difficulties that we're having here in the Northeast are similar to ones that people are seeing across the country. So that was, I would say, the first part of it that was really beneficial for me. And then getting the opportunity to just serve with some really great people on the board has been a great opportunity. I've jumped into the membership committee role and have been serving as the membership committee chair for about the last year and a half with the goal of trying to continue to grow the membership on a national level. That's great. You're still continuing to get involved, even though you're pulling a pretty big responsibility with being a national director. So we really appreciate that, Rob, and your current and continued commitment to ASHI. So thank you for all you do. Maybe touch a little bit more on your membership chair roles and some of the goals of that committee and goals of the organization to grow. Sure, I'd be happy to. So the membership committee, one of our primary goals is to track and make sure that our membership is continuing to either be maintained or grow both at the regional level and at the national level. So one of the big things that we do is just track it and make sure that things are continuing to grow. And then our goal is to try to find different ways to have that growth. One of the things that we've been looking for over the past year is starting to try to get more contractors involved with ASHI. We've seen over the years, we approximately 10% of our membership is comprised of contractors. We'd like to continue to grow that and see a larger number so that the engineers that are part of our community can interact with contractors on a more regular basis. The other area that we like to really grow is government employees, um, whether it be at the DOTs or various turnpike authorities or other agencies. But we feel that the interaction with the DOTs and these other agencies is critical to the continued growth of our society. The interaction that we can have with uh, the folks from the agencies will allow them to understand what we see from the consultant standpoint, as well as from their standpoint, so we can grow those relationships between the consultants, the contractors, as well as the, the DOTs. Absolutely. And so those growth goals of yours in terms of becoming a member, uh, anybody that is listening that would like to become a member, go to ashi.pro. But once you join, I know you mentioned several committees that you can get involved on. And those are on the section level, the grassroots level. Any recommendations on maybe the best committee to get started with? That's a great question. I would say any of the committees, really. I see it here in our Delaware Valley section, whether it's the 50-50 committee or whether it's the golf committee. One of the key ones that I would really say is working with the college students in that committee because it's an opportunity along with the membership group. As I mentioned, we're trying to continue to grow our members. What we'd also like to do is inject some new talent coming up through the college ranks. So if anybody wants to get involved with working with some of the college kids at the local universities, I think that's a great opportunity to really help the from a growth perspective. 
It's a way to really become a mentor of sorts too. Um, like you're mentioning kind of working with those college students, but charting a path and helping them understand what other opportunities there are to grow. Again, we mentioned professionally, but also personally getting out of your comfort zone and basically using the network that experienced professionals in the industry have grown over the years and using that as a stepping stone to get to know some new people and new perspectives to help them grow. That's the thing yeah, I love I, most about Ashi. I agree. Absolutely. And over the years, as I discussed, I've gone from a, a fairly a newbie college kid coming out of school to being able to you know, move your way up through the ranks. And I think it's important that the new folks coming into the industry understand that there's lots of opportunities. We have a lot of experienced engineers here that can serve as mentors and really guide you through your career. Ashley's always been a great opportunity to meet leaders in the industry and talk to them about how you can advance your career as a younger engineer. Absolutely. And are we still furthering the program, the bring a colleague, make a friend? We are. Absolutely. That's something that was initiated under President Mike Hertz's term. And we've always tried to do that. As you said, it's a grassroots organization. And we like to have the various sections and individuals at the companies try to bring a colleague, bring a friend. And every person that does that, they can see the, the benefits of ASHI at the dinner meetings or the golf outings or other events that we hold. And then we love for people to join and become full-time members of ASHI. Well, thank you so much, Rob. I truly appreciate you taking the time to talk today. And I'd love to ask you one more final question. I asked you what your favorite projects were in your day job, but what has been your favorite experience about ASHI? That's a great question. I would probably say being able to go to the dinner meetings and meet some really good friends. See people during the day, they're, you're working together on various projects, but being able to go to the dinner meetings and other events and just become friends with people. It's beyond just a work relationship. It's also a personal relationship. You start to know them better, start to know their spouses, start to know their kids, where their kids are going to school and the successes they're having in their lives. So building that relationship just helps you throughout your career, not only for a networking standpoint, but just to be able to call up someone and have a conversation about a project, know them on a personal basis has been such a huge benefit. Amazing. I definitely feel you on that one. I think it's a wonderful organization for that. Thank you so much again, Rob. Really, truly appreciate you taking the time. And it was a pleasure talking to you today. And I look forward to seeing you soon. Thanks, Amanda. This was great. I appreciate your time as well. so much for joining us for On the Road with Ashi with Rob Profit. Rob's well-rounded perspective on the industry sure gives us a lot to think about and work towards. I truly enjoyed doing this interview with him. I hope you'll join us next time when we interview Tara Alexander, Ashi's Central Texas Section President. And in the meantime, don't forget to like, follow, and rate the interviews five stars, of course. 